the Lord laid this scripture, he brought this sixth verse to my mind and what I was thinking on what he would have me to share. And it was no doubt that he brought me to this verse. But Psalm 126 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Could we go to the Lord in prayer and ask him just to help us this evening? Father, we're just so thankful, God, this evening for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. God, we're thankful for your wonderful presence that we've experienced to this point in this service, God, with the choir singing, God, the special singing, uh, God, everything that you have done, you have orchestrated up right until this point. God, and we do have a great and glorious day to look forward to, as Brother Brand sang about. God, we do have a, a rapture moment, God, that's going to take place. God, it does not matter if we are still alive or if we have already went by way of the grave. God, there is coming a time when the child, there's a better day that the child of God has to look forward to. And God, I pray until we get to that day that we find ourselves busy. Lord, I pray that we find ourselves busy about the Father's business. God, doing what we can, while we can, Lord, in these few short days that we have left to reach as many people as we possibly can. God, give us that boldness. Brother Casey prayed about yesterday at the funeral. Give us that boldness, God, to share the gospel with whosoever will that they might have an opportunity to call upon your name. Lord, bless your word. Help me as I try to convey to your people what I feel like you have laid on my heart and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The title of this hopefully short message is entitled, Lest We Forget. Lest We Forget. What's happening right here in Psalm 126 is Judah has been exiled to Babylon. They have underwent Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Daniel uh, begins to read the scrolls. He begins to see that, hey, the 70 years that was prophesied that we would be in captivity due to our nation's sinfulness is just about to be over. And it was prophesied that after these 70 years that Judah would be released. Well, guess what happens? Babylon... Babylon that the empire begins to weaken close to this 70th year, and they start to spread their military out way too thin. So what happens? God raises up Persia. Persia comes down and swoops in on Babylon and just totally decimates them. The Babylonian captivity of Judah, of, of God's children, was appointed by God. It was punishment by God for their sin and their forsaking him as God. They had made groves and high places. They refused to uh, repent from that. They refused, refused to turn from that. Israel, the northern kingdom, had already went through this decimation and had, and had been exiled. And you would think the southern kingdom would look at their uh, uh, sister nation and say, you know, they turned away from God. We might ought to stay with God because if we don't, that's what's going to happen to us. And, you know, they had prophets that told them, said, hey, don't forsake God. Don't go out and serve other gods. Don't go out after other gods and, and, and do things that you're not supposed to do. But worship 
the Lord your God, the, the one that you know, and it's in the commandments. You know, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and, and him only shalt thou serve. But they entertained the notion, I don't know if they were thinking, it's just not going to happen to me. And I don't want to get off topic here, but I ask that question a lot in my business. You know, why do these people think they're going to get away with things? And, and the answer that I get from some of my uh, uh, friends in law enforcement is they just simply don't think it's going to happen to them. They don't think they're going to get caught. Some people have gotten to the point where they just don't care if they get caught or not. But whatever the reason was with Judah, here they are. They find themselves in 70 years captivity. And the 70th year is approaching to where they are almost released. Persia comes in, takes care of Babylon, and God raises up Cyrus, Persian king. And he tells them, if you look in Ezra, I believe chapter 2 it is, he tells them, he says, hey, the Lord your God is the God. He is the only God, and he is the one we're going to serve. He said, and furthermore than that, I know you've been in Babylonian captivity all these years, he says, and you've been over here in exile from your nation, he says, but I want you to go back home, and I want you to build a temple. I want you to build God a house and, and raise up a house to him so that you can worship and so that we can worship and, and man, the, 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 the nation of Judah, the, the priest and, and, and the rulers there, they're just, in, they're just in awe. They're like, oh, my goodness. But, you know, if they had read God's word, they would have seen the prophecy. Seventy years. You know, God is a just God. He deals with us out of his love and kindness for us because if he did not, none of us would be here. How many times can I recount that I have messed up and dropped the ball and I have called upon the Lord and said, Lord, please forgive me. Please have mercy upon me. How many times have I found myself, even in my Christian experience, there's just been times when we've heard good preaching or whatever or something, whatever the case has been, and I went to that altar and said, Lord, please save me. Just, Lord, just, just give me saved all over again. I mean, you know, I mean, whether I felt unsaved or not, I said, Lord, this is just so powerful of a thing that you've done tonight in this service. Lord, just, just save me to the uttermost. God, just, just wash me clean, do that work. And you, you come away from the altar with that sense of renewal, that sense of refreshing. And these people, it says in 126.1, they can't believe what's going on. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, he says, we were like them that dream. They were awestruck. They were like, Wait a minute, we're being told by the king who just now defeated the king that took us into captivity that we can go home even though we really belong to him, but he's telling us that we can go home. It says in verse 2, Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. What does the third verse say? The Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. Has not God done great things for each and every one of us in this congregation this evening? God has, has proved himself faithful time and time and time again. Don't even try to figure out your circumstances. Don't even try to figure out why this happened and why God let this happen and, and, and all this stuff because there's some things we're just not going to know. There's some things that you will know. There's some things that God will show you, okay? But it's like Brother Jeff said a long time ago from behind this pulpit. He said it's like one of those big tapestries, kind of like the embroiderer that uh, 
uh, uh, the ladies used to do back in the old days, how they were, they were embroidering that, uh, 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 that blanket or whatever it is or that piece of material, and, and on top it looks just like a beautiful pattern, but what you got underneath it? It's, it's just all kinds of dark colored strings, strings hanging down. It's not making any sense. And he said, when we look up and we see that, we don't understand. But God is so in this wonderful picture. He's just tying everything in our lives and other people's lives together for a purpose. And we know that the scripture says that everything works together for the good of those that love the Lord. Not to the harm of those or not to the detriment of those, but to the good of those. So, you know, I don't, I don't want, to be, I want to be sensitive here. I won't call names. But you're going through things that you don't understand. I have went through things that I have not understood. But listen, regardless of, of what we go through and what we deal with, God is faithful. God is still God. Jesus Christ is still seated at the right hand of the Father. And what happens to us? In our circumstance, as I said this morning, it is very easy for us to get our eyes off focus of Jesus Christ and remembering the scripture of what he said that he would do, that he would never leave us nor forsake us, that all things work together for the good of the ghost, for not to lend our own understanding, but to trust him, and he would bring us through whatever it is. I mean, ultimately, we're going to be, we're ultimately going to be saved, as Brother Andy said. We've been saved, we're being saved now, and on the day that it counts, when it's time to go, we will be saved, ultimately. So all this aggravation that we deal with in life, it's just, it's just a stepping stone to get, to get to the other side. There, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. I could ask a question of everyone in here, has God done great things for you? And every one of you would raise your hand. Because God, let me tell you something God's done for you. He allowed you to breathe one more breath. God's done a great thing. He's allowed you to wheel in here, to walk in here in your own power, in your own strength. He has not only allowed you to do that, but you could choose to be any other place that you would be. You take some people in here. Let me just meddle a minute. I think I've ever meddled. You could take some people in here, go back 40 or 50 years where you were 40 or 50 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, and just think if you were still doing that thing tonight, apart from the grace of God. We could just start going down the list and saying, well, you know, about 30, 40 years ago, they had a testimony. They didn't serve God. They done this and they done that and they done this. But listen, God in his mercy reached down and said, hey, I got something better for you. It's called my son Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. It's called escaping misery. It's called having more abundant life now. It's called a life of blessing and not cursing. And he done that for us. I mean, he reached down and saved us. He rescued us out of that old lifestyle that we were in. There's a few people in here that have the testimony that they've served God from the youth. And praise God for that. That's what I want for my children. That's what I want uh, for Ben, that, you know, to serve God. Just, man, just keep on serving. There's nothing out in the world. There's nothing out there, folks. Listen, you, young people, you're looking at a bunch of 45, 50, 55, 60 years old. Probably um, if we took a, 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 um, a consensus of everything, we've probably done everything there is to do out in the world two or three times over. And where are we? We in church. We in church. Because it's empty, ain't it, Brother Richie? 
It's empty. It's pre- where where are the, where where are the, is the glory of the things in which you are now ashamed that that you used to have your conversation in times past? We don't have any glory in those things anymore. There's nothing out there anymore. Won't we come to understand just like Solomon did at the end of it all? The only thing he says everything is vanity. He says life is vanity. The world is vanity. He said the only thing that matters is serving God, putting our faith and trust in Him. God has done wonderful things for us. And how about when God turns the corner in our life? How about those times of refreshing? Was it saying Acts 3 and 19? That's one verse that I really remember. It says repent. It talks about repentance. And, 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 and those times of refreshing after we repent, repent will come from the presence of the Lord. And man, those times are refreshing. Aren't they great? When God answers that prayer, when something you've been praying for, he just steps in the scene and says, today is the day that I'm going to take care of it. How about that? Is anything that God did six years ago in answer prayer to you, is it any less real to you today? Is it any less marvelous or remarkable than it, than it was way back then? It is still God having stepped in and answered prayer and brought us through something, a petition that we had. We made it known to God. Scripture says, Be anxious for nothing by supplication and prayer. Make your request be known to God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I said, Brian, can you sing tonight? He said, Sure, I can sing. Okay. He said, What do you want me to sing? Of course, I wasn't going to ask him what to sing, but I said, Well, you're asking. How about heart and mind or the rapture song? Because those are my two favorites that he sings. I like his, I like what he sings, anything that he sings, but I like the original stuff. I'm the, I like the original stuff very, very well. And the other stuff's good. But I like that. She'll keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Hey, we've been kept by the power of God. Our hearts and minds have been kept by the power of God. When it got hard, when, when finances got low, when we got discouraged, when, when somebody passed away, God has still kept us. He, is, he says he will keep him in perfect peace, Brother Tyler preached last week, whose mind is stayed upon thee. He will keep us there if we want to be kept. And it is enough for us. You know something else that is good for us to do is that by our testimony of the goodness and grace of God, it encourages other people. Do you know that? You can be an encouragement to other people when you continue to testify about the goodness and the grace of God. Was you healed from cancer 10 years ago? Testify to other people. Hey, God healed me of cancer 10 years ago. Been no sign of cancer since. The Lord is good and greatly to be praised. You know what it makes that person think that has cancer? I want to know this God you speak of. To quote Tim Hawkins. Who is this God that you speak of? It makes them want to know, hey, what is it that you have? There's something, something that you have. It encourages folks. Lest we forget quickly the turn in the chapter, in the book. Psalms chapter four, uh, 126 and verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now wait a minute. We just now said that they're free, right? 133 says, hey, we're free. We can't believe it. We're standing in awe. The Lord has done great things for us. They've proclaimed it among the heathen. We are glad. But then you've got this verse that says, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. 
They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. What is he talking about here? If you study that, when they got released and restored back to their nation, they did not all get released at one time. Okay? So we take a, a poll in here. Everybody that is on the mountaintop has victory, has no struggles right now, raise your hand. Don't do it. Raise your hand. If we wish to do that, not everybody is there. Okay? Not everybody is feeling as great as you may be. For the most part, probably, most people are struggling. Just see what Brother Doug Chapman posted on Facebook here yesterday. I shared it. I don't know if any of you guys are, are, are friends with me or see. You know, you don't see some people's posts. I'm glad I see some of the people's I do. wish I could see other folks's, and I don't know if them algorithm things work. Todd, do them algorithm things work? You don't know. I know we've both done that. And, you know, post this, and you'll start to see more of your friends. But he shared something. It was I'll, I'll paraphrase. It says, be kind one to another. He says, because you don't ever know when someone is struggling. And in all probability, most people are struggling. So be kind in an effort to help them get along through life. The Lord showed me that a long time ago. He showed me that probably 1995. He really showed me that. He really got a hold of my heart. It's a, it's a story, and I really can't share it. But he showed me that, you know, people are just trying to make it. Church people. God didn't call me to judge. He didn't call you to judge. We ain't judging nobody. We loving one another. We bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. We are lifting each other up to the throne room of grace. Listen, where God can do something. You know, I like to pray the prayer. And I pray it a lot when I'm praying for people. God, we come to you. We come with this person to the throne room of grace because it says for us to come to that throne of grace boldly to enter in, to obtain that help, to find that mercy, to find that grace to help in our time of need. We have an open invitation by the Lord to come boldly into the throne room of grace where He can help us and He will help us. We may not think He's going to help us and some people think, God hasn't helped me yet, so therefore I don't think that he's going to help me. It didn't say that when he would help us, but it does say that he will help us. Find grace to help in our time of need. So you find these four through six scriptures that what's happening here is some people still in captivity. So the writer Ezra is recalling the folks that are released from their bondage to remember those that were still in Babylon. So, hey, brothers, we're on the convoy back to build the temple in Jerusalem. He said, but there's still some of us that are still suffering. And it may not have been that they were suffering as slaves at that particular point, but they were still left behind. They were still not okay to be released and come out and come back home where they want to be. He says, turn again our captivity, O Lord. Basically what he's saying is, Lord, remember those that are still in Babylon. Don't forget those that are still in Babylon. He says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy because they were still sorrowful. They were glad that their brothers and sisters who had gotten released were able to go back home, but they wanted to be free too. Nobody wants to be in bondage. Nobody wants to be in captivity. And they were so wanting that freedom, and they were still sorrowful. And what Ezra, and they think that Ezra was the writer of the psalm, what he was reminding the good church folks to do is you may be on the mountaintop, 
But during your mountaintop experience, don't forget your brother or your sister that just hadn't quite made it yet. Continue, as Galatians 5 says, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's hard to bear burdens when the burden on you is so great. I can testify to that. But when the burden is not specifically hardened on me, it is easier to see that brother or sister that's in need and to have that compassion, to have that godly sorrow, to identify and to empathize and sympathize with what they're going through. That is when they need the church the most. We need to be mindful of that. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 through 7. I've got it marked so it won't take us as long. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The writer here is saying that greatly rejoice, even though now you might be in a season that where you're being tried through heaviness and through manifold temptations. It is a trial of your faith. And that trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. And folks, there's been some people here that's been tried with fire. They have really went through the ringer. He says, but when you have been tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So that those that do not know the Lord can look and see that person that has went through the fire and has come out the other side and are still rejoicing and still giving praise and honor to God that they might know that there is a God in heaven. That they might know that God's grace is sufficient for us in our time of need. That they might know that there is something to this God. There is something to Jesus Christ. There is something to living uh, according to the word of God and going to church and, and, and going to fellowship uh, meetings at, at, at uh, at churches and, and revivals there's something to this we're, we're not just spinning our wheels God has ordained us unto good works and that we should walk in them and by doing that we are showing others that God is alive and he's alive in our hearts and our lives and they can have him too verse 6 and we'll get, we'll get done the promise of those that are still suffering he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What does that mean? To paraphrase. He who sows seed of tears, those seeds are tears of sorrow, shall doubtless, without doubt, without question, come again with rejoicing, bringing his harvest of joy and rejoicing again with him. Those that are serving God, that are going through the trial, going through the fire, going through the time of testing, even though they may sow tears and seeds of sorrow, they shall come again with rejoicing, bringing their harvest of joy and rejoicing with them. There is coming a better day for the child of God. There is coming a day where we don't have to worry about the, the cares of this life. 
But I'm convinced also that God has intended and Jesus Christ has intended for us to live an abundant life now. Brother Andy said something years ago and I thought of it as I was meditating on what to uh, share with you tonight. There's no glory, okay? There's no reward. And I'm preaching to the choir here, okay? I'm preaching in a mirror. There is no reward and no glory and, and no crown waiting for me for me to live this life and drag a ball and chain to glory. He's not going to say, Kevin, son, you looked like you was going through it. You was having a rough time. I know you was having a rough time, and you made a good show of it, but you made it. Here's your crown. That ain't it. Just the same thing with fasting. When you fast, when, you, when you're fasting, you know, don't, don't wash your face. Don't, don't look like you're fasting. Don't complain about not. You know, don't, don't give any appearance. But that's so hard for us to do. But if we will keep in mind that one day, even though it may be heavy, even though it may be a trying time, that one day we will rejoice again and we will bring our harvest of joy and rejoicing with us when we come. When will that be? If you stay here long enough, God's going to bring you through what you're going through. If you don't stay here long enough and you open your eyes in glory, you ain't going to remember any bad thing that happened down here. Amen? You ain't going to remember anything else that happened down here on this side of heaven. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. September 11th, 2001 was a terrible, terrible attack on our nation. Life changed forever as we know it on that day. I remember exactly where I was. Most of you remember where you were, not everybody. I remember that we went into full lockdown at the school because we didn't know what was happening next. Uh, and we just waited for further instruction from our superiors and what, if anybody can make sense of what was going on. Lest we forget. Lest we forget. Who do you think on September 12th were the happiest people on the face of the earth after that attack occurred on September 11th? I'll tell you who the happiest folks is the folks that survived that attack in those Twin Towers, in the Pentagon, in the planes that were subdued, that subdued their um, terrorists, their attackers. Those had to be some of the happiest, most thankful people on the face of the earth. But listen at this. Who do you think remembers those that died the most? And I think the answer is the people that survived the attack that were in those trade towers and that were able to get out. They were thankful that they made it. But listen, I guarantee you it weighs on the hearts and minds of those people the most about those that lost their life. There's probably countless stories of firemen, public service people. There was a story of a retired, uh, either retired CIA, reti retired FBI, or retired Secret Service that went to work for a, a security consultant for a company that worked on one of the high floors. And it was it, they reposted here just a, a few days or weeks ago on Facebook. It says, when the first tower was struck that they made an announcement throughout the whole building to stay in place, to shelter in place. Well, law enforcement has abandoned that, okay? 
we don't shelter in place unless that's the most safest thing you can do. It, it's run, escape, run, or fight, okay? Shelter in place, maybe every once in a while if the circumstance is right, but they don't teach that anymore in, in response to uh, uh, critical incidents. This man refused the order to stay in place, and he was single-handedly responsible for getting every one of his employees out of the trade towers alive. When he got the last person alive, somebody looked at him and says, Come on, John. I think his name was John, and if it wasn't, it worked just as good. Come on, John, let's get to safety. He said, no, there's other people up there that need me. And he was last seen on the 12th of the 22nd floor when that building collapsed. Those people will never forget his sacrifice. But he, what does it say in Scripture? Greater love hath no man than this, than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has laid down his life for us. And we can be thankful, but we can also remember those that are dealing with the storm. Would you stand with us this evening?